Welcome to Exploring Hydrogen. Here we will learn about all the exciting advancements, opportunities and challenges of this nascent energy sector. We delve into how hydrogen can contribute to the decarbonisation of Australia and the world and investigate what it's going to take for adoption and into transportation, industry and society. I'm Andy Marsland. Welcome to our energising journey. I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Paul Cernia. Paul is a rock star within the startup world. He's CEO of Endure, which we'll learn about today. And his prior role was Chief Product Officer and co-founder of Tritium, a fast charging manufacturer for electric vehicles and helped them from a small startup into being a global player. Tritium ultimately listed on the NASDAQ for 1.3 billion US, which is 1.8 Aussie. So a very warm welcome, Paul. Thanks, Andy. Uh, great to be here and, and thank you for the kind words. The first question on everyone's lips is, uh, can you do it again? Uh, can Endure be another unicorn? So hopefully in the podcast, uh, we'll give the listeners some insight. And first of all, yeah, can you tell me about Endure? Yeah, sure. Uh, Endure is a Brisbane-based technology startup, and we're developing some really interesting hydrogen technology. And the big problem here that we're looking to solve is really around decarbonizing our energy grid and and finding better ways to enable more renewables on on onto the grid and and eventually get to 100% uh, renewables and zero emissions for our electricity and i believe that hydrogen is is a great pathway to achieving that and how did that idea originally come about then? So perhaps we can talk about your your background then. So I think you you were more on on the electrical side of things originally from your from your background and uh, yeah, what was the transition through to being involved in hydrogen? Yeah, that's right. So my background has always been in uh, electrical engineering and and electronics, but always looking at sustainability and and sustainable energy has been a theme that's run through all of all of the things that I've I've done in the past. And so for me, it's for me it's a passion. Uh, I've worked previously in the electric vehicle space in my previous startup. You know, which had a lot to do with electrification and decarbonisation, and even way back when I was doing my PhD in electrical engineering, you know, I was always looking at at different technologies, whether it was renewables, solar, wind for generation, or or on the other side, whether it was battery storage, or even even back then fuel cells and and hydrogen were a, were a hot topic even then, out in the the academic. Uh, domains, you know, there was lots of research and work being done in that area. So, always really had an interest across across all of those topics. So, uh, you know, Endure is just a continuation of that. And what stage are you guys up to now as a business? Yeah, look, we're a young startup. We're just over a year old. We're about twenty people based here in Brisbane, and um, you know, really focused right now as as any typical startup on on developing some good tech and and developing a really great product. The whole team's working hard to to you know move that along. The unit itself. Can you give the listeners an overview of what the unit looks like? The physical size, you know, visual appearance, storage capacity, and perhaps we can sort of dig in a bit more about some of the use cases as well. Then, yeah, sure. So, so perhaps maybe if I can take a step back and and just talk about hydrogen in in general for a moment. So, you know, really hydrogen, what the first use is really for its chemical properties and the other one is as, as an energy storage or an energy carrier. And the hydrogen industry today is mostly around the use of hydrogen for its chemical properties. Really, we're focused on using hydrogen purely as an energy carrier. And the way that that came about is, you know, when I when I said that we're looking at 
um, the decarbonization of our electricity grid, we know that you know uh, you hear people talking about we need to electrify everything. And as as we electrify everything, you know, we think start to think a lot more about where that electricity is coming from, and we know that we've got an emissions problem, and so we really need to drive to reduce the emissions intensity of our electricity. And and the technology is there; it's available. We know renewables is the answer, but as we get more and more renewables, the the volatility of that generation becomes a bigger problem. And we know that we need, you know, the solution is energy storage. So you pair storage with renewables and you make them, you know, you firm them up and make them more reliable. But as, as we get better and better at decarbonizing our grid, uh, we need to store more energy in larger quantities and we need to hold it for longer periods of time. So it's always there. We've always got a backup available. And so we're going to need new types of energy storage that are better suited to that type of energy storage behavior and that that use case. And right now, the battery technologies that are at a commercial scale aren't really well set up to support that type of use. And so what is it that we can do that can be complementary to that? And that's really where Endure comes in. So our product is a power bank and it's a self-contained system that uses a hydrogen technology to store energy and store it in large quantities for long periods of time and do that at a price point and and with a feature set that makes sense from an economic and, and business business model perspective. I think I saw in one of your investor presentations that the storage capacity is around 50 to 150 kilowatts. So what's the use cases for that? Yeah. So this energy storage is going to be a massive massive industry and Really, it's going to be required at all power levels and and all types of of physical scales. So when, so when I look at the industry and I look at you know the energy storage requirements that we need right now and what we're going to need in the future, you know looking ahead, we're going to need very large battery systems that perhaps operate at a at a grid scale, you know with very high powers. That's not ready. You know we're not ready. We're not there yet. But what we see right now is an opportunity at perhaps the smaller end of the generation um, set where we have distributed renewable energy resources. Uh, We want them to be reliable, so we need to pair them with energy storage. Um, But lithium battery systems can't quite provide uh, enough of the peace of mind that that consumers really need. And so what you often find is diesel generators being paired or, or being installed into those types of systems. And the reason people always fall back on diesel generators is because it's actually a great a great uh, form of energy storage. You could put the diesel in a tank and and you can just hold it quite cheaply for a long period of time. Mm. And so we want to emulate those benefits, but be able to uh, provide the opportunity to generate all of that electricity emissions free. And that's what the Endure Power Banks uh, are doing. So you know, our, f- our first products will be small shipping container size units that can be deployed quickly and easily at scale. And as you say, designed to power loads in the 50 to 150 kilowatt range and provide run times of, of perhaps 10 or 12 hours or more, um, depending on the different applications that we're looking at. And, and of course, um, one of the benefits of these systems is that you can quite easily scale up your storage size um, without having to invest any more into the power and energy side of your capital infrastructure. So with, with that, do you mean that the electrolyzer and 
fuel cell within the unit stays the same. You can sort of just plug on more storage capacity. Yeah, that's right. So our systems, if you think of it as a black box, essentially what we're doing is taking renewable energy and some water as an input. We use that energy to split the water into hydrogen via an electrolyzer, and then we actually store the hydrogen internally until energy is required, and then we convert it back to electricity via a fuel cell on demand. So it's a it's a fully self-contained system, and, and really inside the box is is you know the full I guess supply chain of or value chain there of going you know from water to hydrogen. Um, hydrogen storage and then back to electricity. And as you say, you know, you can size, one of the beauties of these systems is that you can size them to match your specific application. But the number one criteria for long duration energy storage is that you can expand your your runtime or your storage capacity to marginal cost. And that's really one of the key benefits of systems like this, is that the, the storage element of the hydrogen is very, very cheap. And that means that we can bring the economics of this system to a scale where they're now price competitive with other energy storage solutions. Are you at that point now or is that a vision for the future? We're getting there. We're, we're well on our way and you know we've got ambitions to do much more over the next year or two. And you know the team is working very, very hard to achieve that. Um, you know, we have some very smart people uh, in our team working on, on some really interesting technology and you know, we believe that we can get there. A number of discussions that I've had in my work with uh, H2Q Hydrogen Queensland with other startups, a lot of the challenges has been the the funding, uh, particularly here in Australia. So, how have you guys gone with uh, with your funding and uh, your your partnerships? And perhaps you can sort of talk about, upon the differences here in Australia versus where there seems to be a lot more access to venture capital, for example, in the states and Europe. Mm. Well, we've been very lucky and and we're relatively unique in that we're working with some really uh, interesting partners from day one to help get our startup uh, set up and, and going. We're a VC-backed company. We're working with an Australian deep tech venture capital fund called Main Sequence. They're the leading deep tech investor in Australia. And, and when I say deep tech, what I mean by that is that they really want to invest in companies that are, are technology-based, have a lot of science associated with, with the development of their technology, which often means having a, a longer-term view of the growth in the company. Also, from day one, we've brought on some, some really critical partners. Uh, one of them, we're working with the CSIRO, which is Australia's national research agency, um, working with a research group there, so very, very knowledgeable in the area of hydrogen, and they've been very supportive. And we also have a an industrial or an industry partner in Ampol Australia, who are Australia's leading supplier of transport fuels. And so very quickly, we're bringing together these really important elements into the company of not just the funding and the venture capital, but we also have the science backing what we're doing, as well as a, a market-facing company that can help us with really understanding where the opportunities are in the market, where the market's going and, and helping us to get access to those customers. And for a startup, it's, it's always about you know, customer first and then build a product to meet the needs of that customer group. And so you know, we're bringing those elements together and that's, that gives us somewhat of an unfair advantage here 
and is you know not not a common startup model. You know, I, and I even looking internationally, I don't think it's it's that common to set up a company in that way um, either. I, I would say that you know this is this is not my first startup uh, in Australia, and I've worked in the you know the startup and 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 worked with the venture capital industry for for you know over a decade, and um, we really are still uh, it's much much better you know than than it has been in the past, but there you know we're still um, somewhat behind uh, let's say Europe and and um, North America. When it comes to these industries, we just just aren't. Um, we haven't been our our local industry hasn't been developed as much as uh, has overseas, and and particularly in the hydrogen space, you know there is um, a lot of. When I look overseas at, at similar companies or, or companies trying to do some, you know, working in this space, the other startups, the, the ecosystems that they have there really really give them an advantage. And and for me personally, I think it's really important that we do everything we can to try and um, create, you know, or foster something similar here in Australia because, you know, Australia is going to be a really large player in this, in the hydrogen industry. And we need, we need these, these types of companies and, 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 you know, the startup community to, to really be active um, in order to to feed the supply chain, feed the skill sets, you know everything that goes into these industries, um, startups really punch above their weights, and so we should we should do everything we can to foster that kind of community. Oh, absolutely! And talking about the ecosystems, uh, when you and I caught up previously, we spoke about there's a number of other startups on the south side of of Brisbane where you. Uh, and and you are, are, are located. Can you see effectively a, a Silicon Valley of Australia in <laughs> in Brisbane or hi- Hydrogen Valley? I think you, you... <laughs> Hydrogen Valley. No, we'd, we'd we'd love to see that. I think uh, I think being based in Queensland uh, gives us a real advantage in terms of the access to the the skill space, as well as particularly when you're working in renewable hydrogen. You know, we're very well set up um, around. Renewables, renewable projects, access to renewable energy, and, and the skill sets associated with that, and all the policy, you know, and industry support that that goes around those industries. So, you know, I think this is a great place to do do something like what we're doing here at Indua, and, and I think also, you know, for us, we're not just a technology company. We we're you know we're developing products um, that we intend to manufacture uh, locally as well, and and so having. A manufacturing industry that that has the right skill set and equipment to to feed into those types of activities is is important as well, and and we've got that here, and I think I think that's great. Absolutely, and I've spoken on some of the previous episodes of the Exploring Hydrogen podcast about Australia moving away from purely an extraction and export mentality, as we've seen in the mining and oil and gas sector. So you kind of get it out the ground and then export the product overseas to how do we take advantage of the the emerging hydrogen sector to capitalize on some of those higher value activities like the advanced manufacturing have you got any suggestions or thoughts about how we kind of continue to build those local value chains yeah i think we've got some examples of when we've been how we've been successful at doing that previously so so if we look to the, the the resources sector, as you say, there's a lot of the the discussion is around how we we dig up the commodities and and we're an exporter of the commodity. But uh, what's less, you know, 
what's not discussed as much is is in fact we actually do a lot of the the technology and the equipment that goes into extracting those resources has been developed here um, we've developed a lot of uh, technology mining technology that we actually export um, to other countries with similar operations and so we've done that really well and, and I think you know we should take a leaf out of that book because as you say you know it's not just about the commodity it's about all everything else that goes into the supply chain to be able to you know provide that commodity or, or generate it and that's where a lot of the value is and and if we're not competitive and participating actively in that supply chain, then there's a lot of value that we're leaving on the table. And for me personally, you know, I want to see that grow here locally and I want us to be an export, an exporter of technology, um, not just an importer of technology when it comes to hydrogen equipment. And, and that's the risk that we face. What have been some of the key learnings or key parallels from your journey with Tritium that would align with uh, what you're doing with Endure? So in my previous startup, we were developing uh, electric vehicle charges for the for electric vehicles, and uh, it was really challenging because we were one of the only companies of our type working very hard in on a manufacturing a product, but there was not really any local industry. Uh, or um, uh, there wasn't really an electric vehicle market to support us locally and everything was international. And that that was a very isolating and difficult pathway to take. And really, I don't want to do that again, uh, I, I, but I don't think we, we don't really run that risk. I think, I think there's a lot of excitement around hydrogen in this industry in Australia. You know, I, I think there's a groundswell where everyone sees the opportunity that and the role that we could play on on an international level and so for me it's about how do we build that community support more companies like Endure to start up give them access to the you know whether it's the supply chain or the the skill sets or the knowledge all the all the policy support that they need to really encourage that type of activity because I, I, I you know I strongly believe that we'll be at an advantage if we have local manufacturing capability servicing and supplying the local projects that we're developing and building those skill sets that as I said that feeds into into a lot of these larger operations and then looking at ways that we can capitalize on that and, and take take that intellectual property overseas and, and capture that value. Absolutely. That community and that ecosystem is going to be key uh, as we develop this, uh, this industry. And um, I, I, should, I should say that's one of the reasons why we're, we're partnering with HDQ at the moment is because you know, I, I think HDQ is a great rallying point for, for the local industry. And um, I really want to attract more companies like Endura and encourage more founders to start their own company in this space and, and feel like they will be supported in those activities. Is there anything more that can be done from a government perspective in terms of you know, policy or tax advantages or um, any other funding support? I think that government is doing a good job and they're very supportive in general. I don't think it's up to them to, uh, to have all the answers. Really, the most important thing for them is to uh, do what they can to create an environment that encourages uh, people to really invest in in these projects and in and take the first steps because uh, nobody wants to be disadvantaged. The challenge here is how do we create that environment where people feel like they can take take these first steps and not not be um, disadvantaged because they're a first mover. And I think uh, you know policy and and the support mechanisms that government uh, is able to provide 
go some way to to creating that positive environment. So I think you know I think that's that's very important. And then I, I think just listening and 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 having a voice to government is is important as well. The other area I think the government can help is that social license and that social engagement. And we've seen here in Queensland the government has has purchased a number of hydrogen cars. So I personally don't believe hydrogen cars are going to be a, a major, there's going to be major uptake of hydrogen cars. But I think what it does, it gets that technology in the in the public domain. And so people can see it, touch it, feel it. And it gives that social license that yet yeah, it is safe. It is here now. And using that to support the broader industry where some of the use cases of hydrogen are much more advantageous. So talking, to, you know, uh, as you spoke about, the storage is going to be key. Heavy industrial, uh, sorry, industrial heat, industrial manufacturing, perhaps some of the larger vehicles and transportation, uh, trucking. We're seeing in Germany trains. I think they've got about 15 trains just transition across from diesel to hydrogen trains and also heavy shipping and potentially in the longer term aviation as, as well. So uh, have you seen any pushback in terms of that social license, any concerns from the public? Look, I think this is a journey of education and familiarity. So a- as you quite say, I, not a lot of people expect uh, passenger fuel cell vehicles to be more than a niche in, other than in, in particular uh, scenarios. But what they do is they're a, they're a moving billboard for the industry, for the technology that starts to get the general public familiar with the technology. They start to ask the right questions. They, you know, we they educate themselves over time, and and I think that that's really important when it comes to social license. And and I, I this is not just a public perception problem. I also see it in industry where we we walk in and say, hey, you know, we're doing something innovative and brand new that's never been done before with hydrogen here at Injua. We would like to use it in this way. And so people need to get their head around that because it's not how they're used to operating. Um, and once they get familiar with it, then then they're okay. You know, I think obviously there's there's always concerns around, um, you know, hydrogen, around, you know, where does the water come from? So understanding, you know, just providing clear examples of, of what type of water is being used, how much water is being used, where the water is coming from, you know, issue, issues like that. And, and I think as a company, particularly for us as Endure, you know, we're really conscious of of baking in those responsibilities into the actual product and our operations and making sure that, you know, we're focused on renewable hydrogen. We're focused upon the, you know, the full life cycle of the product and understanding where our parts come from and when they go to at end of life. You know, all those sorts of things, what the impact is on on the places where we're installing these power banks. So, you know, I think I think that's just it just comes with the territory. But it, but it takes some time, and and again, harking back to my my previous experience in the in the electric vehicle space, we saw a lot of the same issues in the early days with with people having to come to terms with something new and different, and, and getting comfortable with with everything that that comes with that. I mean, as much as we say we like change, nobody nobody embraces change, you know, when they're when they're comfortable, and so um, that's part of the journey. Yeah, and it's a supply chain that's been going 100 plus years that we're trying to transition extremely quickly now and um, if we're going to hit the sort of Paris 2050 agreements uh, in terms of the speed to market where is Endure at at the moment when's your commercialization 
point and looking beyond that, a few more years' time, five more years' time, say, how many units do you envisage being out there? So in terms of timeframes where we're at, you know, really a lot of the ideas around enduring the power bank came from, there was a lot of discussion around what our emissions targets will be in 2030 or 2040. And, you know, for me, I was asking myself, what can we deploy in the next year or two that will help start to shift that needle and reduce that? So for me, it's about, it's about speed to market. And that's part of why we've, we've chosen hydrogen technology for our, as an energy storage solution. It's because it's something that we can develop and deploy quite quickly. And so we expect to have our first units out in the field next year sometime. Uh, but certainly one of the first markets that we'd look at is the diesel generator replacing diesel generators uh, or looking at uh, microgrids or power systems where usually they'd install a diesel generator and perhaps choosing to install a a hydrogen power bank instead. And uh, you just think about the millions and millions of diesel generators that are out there already. So there's massive opportunity in this space. and, And for us, it's about how can we deploy these units at speed Again, having them self-contained, having them at a smaller scale and having them quite modular means that we can really get these out into the, the most number of hands that we can and start to displace, you know, I, I expect that we'll displace a gigaton of carbon dioxide emissions just from, from displacing diesel. Wow. You know, I don't know it's well understood, but just in Australia, we spend $1.5 billion on diesel fuel every year just to generate electricity off-grid. So, so just off grid, that's that's a massive spend every year, and and that's a lot of emissions going in, into the atmosphere. Now, if we can displace that over the coming years, then that's you know, to me, that's that's an opportunity worth worth pursuing. Oh, huge, huge! Yeah. What are the sorts of customers that you're targeting? Yeah, I think there's there's a range of different industries where our power banks can be used. We're looking primarily at commercial and industrial customers often that aren't served well by batteries or that perhaps are too reliant on on you know emissions heavy fossil fuels so uh, again the diesel generator is a good starting point um, and we'll, we'll move beyond that into into other areas but where we we find them are you know microgrid standalone power systems um, where you need that reliability of supply peace of mind but perhaps are not that well served by the grid those are the types of customers that we're we're looking at, at selling to, and and you find them across a range of industries. But if you can imagine in the electricity suppliers, commercial industrial operations, whether it's businesses, whether it's agricultural operations, even powering communities at a larger level, a lot of the telecommunications industry has has equipment that needs backup systems. There's lots of different areas where where I believe these these can be useful. I was reading just the other day that uh, Microsoft in the states have uh, have just commissioned in their first hydrogen backup system. Yeah, and I, look, I think that's a really exciting application. I think the key here is that uh, people really have a drive to decarbonize, especially where they're using diesel, and they really want to find an alternative. Unfortunately, uh, current battery technology is only really well set up for perhaps you know at most you know two to four hours of of backup runtime or, or runtime capacity and so there's no great solution right now if you need 
to run your equipment or have backup for for longer than say you know 10 hours whether it's hours days weeks or more and you perhaps use it more intermittently th- there's no great energy storage solution for that right now and that's really what w- the problem that we're looking to solve here with with the endure power banks you know we can produce something that can economically store that energy for longer periods of time and that's why we call it long duration energy storage and, and so all these all these applications like the data centers where these customers are really looking for a solution i i, I think i think that's a great place to start so we got through a lot in a short space of time we've spoken about the use case and need for hydrogen as storage particularly long-term storage the advantages of endure and the modular aspects uh, of that i love your stat about there has been one gigaton of emissions purely coming from diesel generation that we could potentially remove through the development of this sector if i've got that right yeah that's right yeah which is uh, equates to about 1.5 billion spend per per year we spoke about communities we spoke about the need for having ecosystems you heard it here first brisbane going to be the hydrogen valley of, <laughs> of australia absolutely is there any other asks of the audience anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered so my ask to the audience is is if you're thinking about getting involved in this sector give it a go there is uh, strong support there will be more endures coming up in the future and I think it's really important that we, that we play a part in our future and, and and creating the future that we want and you know everyone at endure that's that's what they're looking to do fantastic how come the listeners follow more of what endure is doing uh, check us out on the socials at endureh2 on Twitter or drop us a line at hello at endure.com e-n-d-u-a and we'll put all those links in the show notes Thanks so much, Paul. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Found it a fascinating discussion and wish you all the best. Thanks, Andy. I really enjoyed talking to you. Cheers. I'm Andy Marsland. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for joining us on the Hydrogen Journey. We welcome you to join us at our next episode. Please remember to subscribe and review the show and hope to see you next time. Mm